Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. I'm your host, Chase, welcoming the newest member of the podcast, producer Isaac, to the show. That is me. I am your average, very not knowledgeable soccer fan, and I use the word fan very loosely. Don't know how much Isaac's going to really chime in this episode, but I had a free slot next to me. Isaac's always always sitting in on the podcast, helping out with everything, so thought I'd throw him in in place of the usual host, Jacob. I have taken his spot. I'm sitting in the captain's chair, and I have handed my mic over to Isaac in return. How does it feel to be on the podcast, Isaac? Feels decent. Um, I think I'll have more to say at the end of this, but... I'll be Googling soccer facts while I'm going along. So maybe throw in a little bit of prem talk. <laughs> feel feel free to hit me with any of it. Any random league around the world, I want to hear it. Scottish League. <laughs> but let's just dive right into it. Uh, Jacob was solo last week, so I'm going solo this week for the most part. Um, interesting week around the league with uh, some of the results. You got some storylines, some interesting storylines, the revenge tour of a couple players, um, some red cards, some high-scoring games. So we'll just dive right in with our first game. We're going to go over New England Revolution beating Toronto 2-0. And I don't know if you know this, Isaac, but the history that I was I was excited for in this game was Bob Bradley versus Bruce Arena. Bob Bradley... Used to be Bruce Arena's assistant, like back in like the eighties. Um, right. Followed him everywhere. Followed him through, like I think that he's assistant coach at like the college level. Followed him at like DC United, then all the way into like the national team, and then has since kind of went on to do his own thing. So fun clash watching two coaches that have been around for a long time finally meet up and and play a game against each other and. And in the end, experience wins with Bruce Arena's side taking down Toronto 2-0. Bobby Wood pulling a goal out early in the game. Uh, Jones coming up in the end. But don't know if the scoreline was necessarily indicative of how the game went. Toronto had 20 shots, 53% possession. Um, but, yeah, it just uh, looks like Toronto's, you know, not the result they wanted, but they're starting to find something. They got C.J. Sapong up top now letting the Italians kind of run down the sides. Uh, not the result they wanted, but, you know, can't win all. Moving on to our next game, we had Cincinnati versus D.C. United. Lucci Acosta against his old team scores a banger in the 59th minute. Um, going back, well, I guess not going back. He, he played at home against his old team. But helping his team to a 2-1 victory, D.C. United not looking too hot. Really only pulling a goal out in the 90th minute from Taxi Fontas. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this D.C. team because I, I like what they're building from week to week. I see Benteke. I know you know Benteke. You probably balled out with that guy on FIFA before. I did a few years ago. But, you know, they I like what they're building with him, but still just same old D.C., like what? What? What do you expect from this team? Wayne Rooney can only do so much. What's up? <laughs> Next game was one of the games that uh, Jacob and I actually predicted. It was San Jose versus LAFC. Let me let me pull up our match predictions to refresh my memory because I know I got this one wrong. 
I predicted a 3-1 LAFC win with a Jeremy oh. Abobasi consolation goal. Jacob nailed this score spot on. 2-1 San Jose toppling LAFC. Some tired legs coming in after their clash with Philadelphia in the middle of the week. Um, good on San Jose, though. you got to capitalize when you get these opportunities against the big guys. You know, you, you don't really get an opportunity to topple a team like LAFC very often. They come up. Christian Espinoza, probably one of the most underrated players in the league, pulls two goals out of the bag and sneaks a, sneaks a win off the big guys here. But Decent. good Good on them. Good on them. LAFC still using a pretty strong lineup in this game as well. But like I said, you know, they had a game in the middle of the week, so can't expect too much out of it. I was completely wrong with my my prediction. Jeremy Bobasi didn't even get a goal, so shame on me. Jacob takes the lead even further in our score prediction. Next game we got Inter-Miami versus Atlanta United. Yet another revenge tour storyline here. Joseph Martinez against his old team pulls two goals out of the bag to guide his new team to victory. He hadn't scored a goal for Miami yet in the season. And then he gets a penalty in the 59th minute, buries it, scores another just typical joseph martinez goal like throwing his body at the ball in the 75th giving them the 2-0 lead andrew gutman pulling a goal out in the 92nd minute consolation goal next game new york red bulls versus philadelphia philadelphia bouncing back after that humiliating loss to lafc in the middle of the week and just going back to what philly does best just grinding out results Grinded out a 1-0 win against New York in New York with a 31st-minute Gazdog penalty. Didn't even necessarily look like the better team in this game. 17 shots for New York versus Phillies 3. So not a good look for them, but these are the games you got to win if you want to be a championship team. you got to grind out results, and that's exactly what Philly did. Next up we have... Montreal versus Orlando City. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch any of this game. I was <laughs> had a really busy weekend moving to our new apartment. Uh, didn't catch any of these highlights. I caught quite a few of the highlights of the games, but Montreal was not exactly top of my list. Wasn't top of the board for things to do on the weekend while you're moving until 2 a.m.? Not, not exactly, man. And, you know, Montreal has just been so underwhelming this season. Like... I saw the result and I was excited for them because I want them to do well. But um, yeah, I just wasn't super, super stoked on this, but good on Montreal. Finally putting some form together um, after such a terrible start to the season. It only took them like a third of the year to finally pull something out, but good on them. Orlando city and shambles. I, I've seen a lot. Um, I follow this TikTok page called Orlando city fan TV and it's hilarious. Like Oscar Pereja, in my opinion is Probably, like, if you were to look at all the coaches in MLS, I'd put him, like, in that second tier, maybe, like, A or B tier. Solid coach, really good at developing players. A guy I would love to see in Portland. Um, but Orlando City fans are just, like, done with him. They're just – they're booing their own players, like, in the stadium. They're they're booing their, their DP striker. When he scored, he, like, shushed his home fans last week. Mm. Um, 
and it's just not a good look for them right now. And then losing to like one of the worst teams in the league in Montreal, only gonna add some fuel to that fire. And their fan base seems pretty fiery compared to most of them in the MLS. They do have a very explosive fan base. I'm sure if you've ever like seen the atmosphere in their stadium, like all the standing fans and everything is just crazy. Plus, it's, that's good. But plus, they all are from Florida, so yeah. that just adds to the level of crazy animals. <laughs> Moving on to our next game, we had Charlotte beating New York City FC 3-2. to two. Enzo Capetti coming up with two goals and an own goal from Ledesma to give Charlotte the 3-2 win. Another game I didn't really catch, but it looked like a thriller, honestly. I mean, I, I like watching both of these teams. New York City, as much as I hate them for what they did to Portland a couple of years ago, uh, fun team to watch, so... Good on Charlotte for pulling a result out, though. Moving on, though, not too much to talk about with that game. And another stinker game that, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I saw this. I had some time to watch some highlights, and I had some games to choose between. Of course, this is the one you got stuck with. And I did not I did not watch this game. It was Houston Dynamo versus Real Salt Lake 0-0. <laughs> um, all I can say about this is Houston starting to kind of figure out their identity dominating this game 61 percent possession 16 shots only four on target so not the best there but hopefully something they can build from you know getting a lot of the ball um trying to create chances see what you can build with it but nothing much to talk about there yeah. moving on next game we have nashville versus chicago and we have Nashville toppling them 3-0 with a Hani Mukhtar hat trick. And after this game, actually, Chicago's head coach, Ezra Hendrickson, was fired, was released from his position, unfortunately, which I think a little bit harsh. Chicago hasn't been that great this season. They've been trying to balance their roster. Um, and then to fire him after a 3-0 loss where... It was two penalty goals and then one goal at the end of the game when Chicago was chasing the game. They clearly pushed their team forward. They get caught on a breakaway. Hani Mukhtar slots it away after a block on the first shot. So a little harsh, I think. I think Ezra Hendrickson's a great coach. Um, but when you look at this Chicago team and, you know, Shakiri's their big guy. I'm like, you know Shakiri. He's like, right. used to be a great player terrible in mls man looks like he's not there he doesn't really want to be there um so trying to balance a guy that you're expected to put on the field because of how much he's getting paid even though he's not really contributing to the team that's a tough ask for a coach and then when you look at the pieces around the rest of their team not really anything to be excited about so I mean, when you're when you're an organization and you're looking from the top down and you're seeing like, all right, this isn't working, we got to figure something out. It's a lot easier just to replace one coach rather than to replace a full team of players. So, a little bit short sighted in my opinion from Chicago, but hopefully they pull in a better coach and they can move on from there. Seems like an easy out to do. Just release your coach instead of obviously the. As when people make fun of the MLS for buying an overpriced guy from a different league who was good six years ago. That's what they do. They get their one DP, put him on the field. He obviously doesn't want to be there for more than a paycheck. Exactly. Exactly. I will say, though, 
Man has the best calves in the league. Have you ever seen Shakiri's calves? Those things are freaking massive. Yeah. Moving on to our next game, we have Portland hosting Austin at home for Portland, and they just blow this game at the end of it. They they end up tying 2-2. Uh, Dario Zuperic and Claudio Bravo both score their first MLS goals for the club. Um, and I don't know. This is just like the story of Portland, man. Like whenever you look at the lineup and you see Mabiala in there, you know it's not going to be good. Um, I am glad though, like seeing Portland finally switch to a little bit more of like an attacking style. It's looking a little bit better for us, but I mean, I don't know. Just we've we've committed to such a defense-heavy style for so long without good defenders. It's pretty obvious why we have the most goals conceded in the league right now. I think we've conceded 18 goals across. I don't even what like 11 games now. I think we're around 11 games, but I don't know exactly why Zach McGraw was dropped from this game. Um, I don't know if he had a knock or anything. It must have been that because he wasn't even in the the 18. Um, but you know, holding on to a 2-1 win and you have Mabiala in, you just know there's going to be some stupid mistake. And and this one came from instead of it being shot and just through his legs, it's a cro- a whipped in cross. He loses his marker does like a half jump and it just goes over his head and then will Brune just like heads it into the back of the net in the 92nd minute but you know i'm not going to talk about portland too much i think me and jacob do that enough when we're together so i'm going to move on from this game and next up we have yet another revenge tour storyline here we have la galaxy versus colorado la galaxy at home losing 3-1 to the rapids and the revenge tour I'm talking about here, in case you didn't know, producer Isaac, was Kevin Cabral, forward for Colorado, was an LA Galaxy player and was traded to Colorado this past year. Really, really talented young guy that's just gone through like these hot and cold streaks. Uh, kind of think like a like a Dyron Espria type, but in LA. And L.A. moves him on. They decide he's not a good fit for their club. They got Chicharito. They got Jovalich. They don't really know exactly how to use this guy well. And he's kind of been hot and cold for Colorado so far. But man turns up for this game. Uh, there, there was one point I was watching um, kind of portions of this game. And there's one point where he's like inside the 18, like L.A. Galaxy's 18, and he's like 1v3 with or three defenders, and he's just doing skill moves. It's like when we play pro clubs and our buddy Ben gets the ball and just starts flicking the stick around. He's just doing skill moves and, like, sending the defenders all around and then chops it to his left foot and fires a shot that's saved. Um, but game goes on a little bit later. He scores a goal for himself, and he goes and celebrates in front of the LA Galaxy fans by turning, holding his the back of his jersey up so they can read his name, and then shushing them before blowing kisses at them. So, oh. you know, just... A little bit disrespectful. A little bit disrespectful, but I don't think many LA Galaxy fans can really blame him right now because a lot of LA LA Galaxy fan groups are protesting and not going to games, so a little anticlimactic doing that to a half-empty stadium. Um, But, I mean, they're just as upset with the organization as he is probably, so they can't really be too upset with him. But it must feel great being Kevin Cabral, a young foreign player in the league, Going to your old team that didn't really give you... I mean, they gave him a couple years, but you know, not giving him enough time to really settle and giving him that spot to, to grow. And 
now we can go back there and and show them what they're missing. Should have just done a Fortnite dance on him. That would have been. I think even more disrespectful if you do that. (laughs) That's even worse. That's way worse. Moving on to our next game, we have Vancouver versus Minnesota. Vancouver edging this game out at home, three-two. Brian White getting two goals. Simon Betcher with one. And it's looking good for Vancouver. They got both their their big guys up top finally scoring goals. Um, I'll talk about this team a little bit more later on, but I, I watched the highlights and they just they looked solid. Just the way they're they're defending as a unit and the way they attack, they're just they're looking good going forward. Um, Minnesota, a little bit unfortunate, I think. They they were really close to clawing their way back into the game late. Um, their striker John Song Bin. I'm sure I butchered that. He scored a goal in the 65th, and then like the 92nd minute, last opportunity they had, he just hits a curler that almost nestles in the top right and goes right past. But keeper was stranded, didn't even know it was going by, and almost levels the game right at the end. But big news for Minnesota, though. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso finally returns for preseason, even though preseason was about three months ago. Um <laughs> Man has just been, who knows where, doing his own thing. Emmanuel Reynoso, for those who don't know, is Minnesota's star player. Highest paid, uh, designated player, and at the beginning of the season, during preseason actually, he didn't report back, and he's just been missing. Nobody knew what was going on. Then they found out with some visa issues apparently, and he was still off just kind of doing his own thing. It became clear that they didn't. he didn't want to come back. Um, and now he finally returns to the group and must be interesting in Minnesota and that Minnesota locker room right now. I was going to say, what's the locker room like? This guy's on a cruise or something. <laughs> Can you imagine like... Yeah, my visa doesn't... I, I can't get it back, man. Like that's like showing up to work and you've just been like covering, doing somebody else's job for like three months and then finally the guy shows back up and just like collects like your raise or something you're like oh my buddy in portland actually got a like positive covid test so i can't go to work for three weeks (laughs) yeah i'm gonna get paid though (laughs) little a little um interesting i'm I'm curious to see how minnesota is gonna how they're gonna move on from here because um I don't know. You've seen different organizations handle this in different ways. You've seen organizations just cut players loose when this happens, just buy them out of their contract. You've seen other organizations um, re-welcome them into the fold, and and they become productive players. So we'll see. But I think with where Minnesota's at right now, they need that firepower to go forward. So I I would likely see him back in the lineup in like a month or so, I'm guessing. Moving on to our last game we got here. Seattle versus Sporting Kansas City. Sporting KC were winless before this game. They were down on their luck, and they go to Seattle, and they edge a result out 2-1. You love to see it. You know, I I was talking a lot of crap about this Sporting KC team. I, I thought Peter Vermees was well past it. I mean, I still do. I mean, <laughs> they're... they're they're um, not doing too hot. But, you know, he looked like he got these guys fired up for this game, finally. I mean, they, they've just looked defeated all season. And if they go down a goal, they just kind of throw their hands up. They just fall apart. But this might be the type of result where Peter Vermees can finally get these guys really pulling in the right direction. 
I know there's been some talks from fans about possibly replacing him. I think that's tough to do since he just signed like a five-year extension or something. And the, the dude's been at the club for like 15 years already. Um, so I don't know. I mean, when you think about it, like Peter Vermees is without a doubt one of the most influential coaches in MLS history. He's been around forever. He was like the first guy to really implement like a 4-3-3 like pressing system. Um, but this year has kind of raised some eyebrows of maybe he hasn't evolved with the league or maybe Sporting KC hasn't evolved with the league. But I don't know. Maybe this is a result where he can finally move on from there. Yeah, they, they've played 11 games, one win, three draws, seven losses. Not good enough for Sporting KC fans. There was Jeez. supposed to be one other game this weekend that was fc dallas versus st louis game was suspended so that'll be played at a later date um but yeah that is all of the games this weekend pretty eventful weekend in mls um i will i think i missed a couple of our match predictions i think i only talked about one so i'll go over our match predictions jacob and I also predicted for the Philly and LAFC CONCACAF game. I said Philly was going to win 2-1. I was speaking with my heart. Jacob said LAFC 2-1. LAFC ended up winning 3-0, so he gets one point from that. We both predicted the Miami-Atlanta game wrong. Jacob said a 2-2 draw. I said a 2-1 Atlanta win. Ended up being Miami winning. Jacob absolutely swept me on these last two results. He predicted the San Jose and LAFC game correct 2-1, and then he predicted Cincinnati and D.C. correct 2-1 as well. So for the season so far, Jacob is sitting on 26 points. I'm sitting on 14 points. It's looking rough, man. I've I've been predicting with my heart far too much. I've I've been out here letting my... My heart dictate what I'm thinking. I, I want the storylines. I want the revenge tours. I want all of this, and I need to just think with my head. Go back to being analytical. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, which is a good segue to what I'm going to be talking about today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, a little crunched on time. Don't have Jacob here for me and him to banter about the Timbers and random MLS players for the next 45 minutes. Um but I wanted to dive a little bit into some interesting t- statistics and uh, some observations I've kind of come across recently. Um, I was reading this great article from this website called American Soccer Analysis, and they put a tier list together of every MLS team and their ranking based on their use of analytics. So the way they ranked these were they went across each team, uh, they looked at their analytics department if they were even listed as an analytics department if they had any employees and they gave them a ranking based on that so that essentially means if on the club's website the employee directory if they have anybody listed and then also how well they utilize analytics Um, so this could be used in a number of ways recruitment of players this could be used in preparation for matches Um, but the emphasis is usually on recruitment of players. This is kind of like for um, anybody who's watched Moneyball. It's really similar to that. 
Um, so kind of looking at like statistics and numbers and not just doing the eye test when you're watching players. So they put together handful of tiers. Um, I'm sad to say that the Timbers were in the bottom tier. We do not have anybody listed in our analytics department. We don't have any analytics. It's like a Ouija board or something. <laughs> so, I probably pick so players. There's, there's a handful of teams in the bottom, and it's a little misleading because it's not necessarily saying that those teams don't use analytics. It just means that they most likely are using like a third party like they're shipping it out to other team or not other teams um other like third party companies that do the analytics for them but that's not necessarily as personalized to your team so they had the bottom tier the second to bottom tier was teams that have one analytics employee listed and that's it and there's about six teams then they do the second to top tier and this is where a good portion of the teams land and this is where they have at least an analytics department listed so they have at least two or more employees and then there's a top tier that only has one team in it and that is the colorado rapids and the reason they're ranked number one interesting enough is because they hired fran taylor as their their general manager so they hired a well slash sporting director they hired an analytics a person with an analytics background to oversee all of their soccer operations so that is why they reached the top rank but i don't want to talk about colorado rapids today there's a couple teams i want to talk about i want to talk about the Vancouver Whitecaps and San Jose Earthquakes. so these are two teams that fell into that second to the top tier and the reason I want to talk about them is both of these teams have kind of quietly put together a good campaign so far this season. I'll, I'll kind of dive into that a little bit more. Um, but real quick, I want to talk about their analytics department and, and what that necessarily means for them. So San Jose, they have, I think, officially three analytics members. And you can see because they, they've recently hired them, it's become a very recent change for them. And you can see the shift if you look at their form so far this season. So if you dive into San Jose, I was doing a little bit of research just because I, I'm, I'm a big statistics guy. And I just like to... Numbers guy. I like to just... Except for your, for your predictions. Except but. for my predictions. I let my, that's where I let my, my mind go out the window and I let my heart run free. Your heart and your um, brain. <laughs> but looking at San Jose, so last year they placed 14th in the West. That was last place. They only had 34 points. They were on 8 wins, 11 draws, 15 losses. And then you look at San Jose this year, and they're in 4th place. They're already on 18 points, so over half of their point total last year and a third of the games. They have 5 wins, 3 draws, 3 losses. So you start to ask what what what's the big change for San Jose and where did they, you know, where did they find success and why can't other teams make such drastic shifts like that well san jose last year obviously new head coach this year they have luchi gonzalez my front runner for coach of the year so far he's absolutely turned this team around but when you look at san jose they didn't have the full squad that they really needed last year they they didn't have all the pieces they had just gotten jeremy Bobasi. he was still kind of slotting in but when you look at the rest of their roster it wasn't quite up to par but 
with such a strong analytics background and the way they they've started to build their club you start to see the pieces that came in obviously they've had christian espinoza for a while who like i said earlier underrated player and that's partially due to him not having the pieces around him he needed earlier in his career there to perform at the level he's at now but when you start to look at the way they've developed their team they've gotten people in that can do a job around the rest of the squad to allow Christian Espinoza to be more effective. They've gotten guys like Jonathan Mensa, solid center back who's come in and done a job, although I think he may have gotten injured earlier in the season. But San Jose now, sitting in fourth place, um, 15 goals for, 14 against, so not the best goal difference. But they're third on expected goals per 90, so... Do you know what expected goals and I feel like that's like a, a term I say all the time. XG. XG, and nobody truly knows what like XG is. I'm vaguely familiar, but I don't have like I feel like you surprise me with this sometimes. So XG is a term used for expected goals, and this is a good way of analyzing players and teams. Um, when you refer to XG, essentially what you're saying is they have created a chance where they took a shot and they have an expected goal outcome of right. whatever. And so this is this was created through a database where they analyze shots from all different, you know, points on the field and, you know, if there was a shot from this spot and they recorded it 10 different times and it was scored 9 times out of 10, the xg for that spot would be 0.9. Right. So when you look at San Jose and they're sitting on third and XG right now per 90, it's showing that they're creating really, really good overall chances. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at them last season, not scoring very many goals, really, really low. It's interesting to see the shift, but it all comes down to Luchi Gonzalez's system. So he's, he's got them playing a way more ball dominant system. They've started to create more chances. They've started to utilize Christian Espinoza way more. Jeremy Abobasi is, is lurking in the box, utilizing you know that space to find uh, headers and whatnot. Um, and then you look at not even just per 90. So, that, so they're third per 90 right now. So that means every 90 minutes they're putting up however much XG and they're third best at that. But when you look overall... They're sitting at second XG overall, created across all of their games. So it's kind of interesting because they may be sitting fourth, but when you think about high-scoring teams, you don't think about San Jose. You think about the LAFCs. You think about the New Englands, the Cincinnatis, St. Louis. But San Jose is quietly putting together far better chances than these teams. They just haven't started finishing them. So I think this is interesting it's just interesting to look at because you're kind of seeing these this this sleeper team arise that nobody's thinking about and i think is going to catch a lot of teams by surprise later in the season when these chances start to turn because that's the thing with xg is it's a very good determinant of a team that is going to kind of explode right if they're getting really high xg and they're underperforming it so if they're expected to score score 18 goals by now but they've only scored 14 Pretty soon they're going to start to convert those chances and they're going to, their points are going to go way over the top. That's why you've seen with teams like Austin, last year they way overperformed XG. Now this season they're way below it because last year they were scoring chances they shouldn't have and now 
they're kind of leveled out a little bit. Fall back to earth. They've kind of fallen back to earth. The other team I wanted to kind of discuss here was the Vancouver Whitecaps. This one's a little bit more of like a, a, a kind of outreach. I'd say a little bit of left field shouts. Uh, San Jose, a little bit higher up the table. They've they've pulled off some bigger victories like against LAFC. So people are kind of looking that, at them a little bit more. But I kind of want to make my case here for why I think Vancouver is going to be driving themselves up the table and why I think they're going to be in probably a home playoff spot by the end of the season. Nobody, nobody I don't think would have predicted that at the beginning of the season. But when you look at Vancouver, currently sitting in seventh place, they are on 14 points, three wins, five draws, two losses. So a lot of draws there, giving up some points. Last year, they finished ninth place with 34 points total, and they were on, well, that's not correct, not 34 points. They had 12 wins, seven draws, 15 losses. So Vancouver, excuse me, Vancouver, obviously in a better spot than they were last season already, kind of putting together some form. But what I really want to talk about that's so interesting to me is when you look at their XG, they are first overall for XG per 90, even though they've only scored 14 goals, which I think 14 goals scored would put them like middle of the table if you're just ranking it on goal scored. But the XG to me is proving that Vancouver is putting themselves in in amazing goal-scoring positions. They just haven't been able to finish. And that's why earlier when I was talking about their game, uh, Brian White and Simon Betcher scoring goals is a really good sign for this team. They're first in XG per 90 and they're fourth in XG overall. They're putting themselves ahead of teams like LAFC, St. Louis, Cincinnati, and that's a good sign of a team that's going to heat up. You see teams like St. Louis that are starting to cool down a little bit. I think they have like one win in their last five games. And that's primarily due to St. Louis overperforming so much. They've, they've been scoring from goals that, you know, positions that they shouldn't have or getting the ball passed to them by the opposing defense. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but bear with me. I know this is kind of a, a stats heavy episode that some people might get lost in but when you look at Vancouver and you you kind of think okay well we've seen Vancouver go through these these peaks before you've seen them get hot for a little bit and then they just drop off like they did last season they had a hot streak and then they fell off they missed the playoffs um I think a lot of people might be underestimating this team and and primarily I think that's due to Vanny Sartini Right, that's their head coach and the way that he set this team up. So Vanny Sartini, um, if nobody really knows, he came in as a caretaker manager for Vancouver two years ago, um, and he was just on a temporary thing. He ended up getting them into the playoffs, um, ended up losing out right away, but he had a full season last year. Everybody had really high hopes in Vancouver for him, didn't live up to expectations, finished ninth place. So I think a lot of people have forgotten that Vanny Sartini is still a good coach and he's getting this team, he's, he's only had one full season to get this team where they need to go. But when you look at his coaching style, Vanny Sartini is a very big, firm believer in zonal defense. So zonal defense, I think a lot, a lot of people when you hear that, you think zonal marking for set pieces. So if you have a corner kick and you're doing zonal marking, you have 
everybody in their set places. They're not looking at the opposing players. They're looking at the ball, They're and they're in charge of their zone. Vanny Sartini takes this not only for set pieces, but as a whole team to defend. So this is this is how he sets his team up defensively. They have their zones, and they stick to them, and they defend their zone, and they let runners move in and out of zones without tracking them. This is, this is very similar to, this is kind of a far reach, but anybody knows Renos Mikkels? He is the founder, the founding father of Total Football, who, um, you know, was later crowned by Johan Cruyff. But it was kind of his, like, one of his pillars of football. You know, a lot of people champion everything he did for soccer going forward and how they attacked and how it was very free-flowing. But when it came to defense, he was a firm believer in zonal defending. And you saw this kind of translate as well to the Italian game. Renus Mikkels was a, a Dutch person, Dutch man, whatever. But um, zonal defense became a big, a big aspect of the Italian game, which Vanni Sartini is Italian. So when you look at him it kind of makes sense he he's said before in interviews he draws a lot of inspiration from guys like uh, Maurizio Sarri and uh, that's where his system comes from so this in a long-winded way let me get in, let me get back to my point here I'm kind of just ranting now um, <laughs> the reason I think Vancouver is gonna start to heat up is this zonal defense primarily relies on excellent communication and amazing team chemistry something that Vanny Sartini did not go into when he took over Vancouver they were in a bad spot they were trying to push for playoffs never really reached it in the past few years and he kind of got them there just on that new manager bounce failed the next year this year I think he's finally got the locker room where he wants it he has guys gelling well together he's got the defense playing how he wants and they've become way more solid of a team he's he's got them defending so well that when they get the ball they can attack and explode like he wants them to they have julian gressel who's one of the best crossers on the field and they're creating amazing chances they just haven't had the forwards to finish it so and yet another long-winded callback I see Isaac's eyes glazing over. Um, Vancouver, for me, is going to be pushing for third or fourth place this season. I'm going to stamp it right now. That's bold. I'm going to stamp it right now. After everybody has fallen asleep or turned this podcast off, I'm going to stamp it. Uh, Vancouver, please support me. Um <laughs> Please support the podcast because I am supporting you guys. Um, but yeah, that that was my long-winded take of the day. Jacob wasn't here to to stop me from ranting about stats and and making fun of my talk of progressive carries. This is Chase unleashed. This is this was me unleashed. This is me after no like, ball and chain. I've drank about like sixteen ounces of Red Bull before I came in here. And We're not I'm even just, doing beer anymore, just caffeine. And I am just fired up and ready to talk about random intricate details of soccer and why it gives me the opinion that I have. I wish you would have had like a marker and a camera just to like start marking up a whiteboard. If I just look like a crazy man, like 
trying to solve a murder or something just have like the pictures with strings attached your head <laughs> but yeah that was that was my my quick little statistical analysis and and kind of what i think and i hope everybody enjoyed that but before we finish up here we have a couple match predictions that we want to go over for the next week um I told Jacob what matches we're going to go over, so you're not going to see any U.S. Open Cups <laughs> in here. It's going to be purely uh, MLS. Um, first up, we have Chicago versus St. Louis, the first ever Chicago and St. Louis rivalry match. I've been seeing a lot of ads lately that Chicago has been putting out, like trying to hype this rivalry up that I think not many people knew about. But they're surprisingly close. It's about the same drive time as it is for, like, Pretty similar for like Portland to Seattle. Maybe Portland Seattle's a little bit closer, I'd say. Weird. But Jacob went ahead, said St. Louis was gonna win this two nil. I said St. Louis three one. Obviously, neither of us are very high on Chicago after losing their head coach. And St. Louis is looking good. Chicago one zero. <laughs> Producer Isaac coming in with a hot take. Hot take. I'm tired of seeing ravioli boys on I just I just don't want to see them anymore. You don't want to see the the team with the dog food sponsor on their chest to just win every game. If you could punch one MLS player, why would it be Jared Stroud? <laughs> I was gonna say you already know it was gonna be Jared Stroud. You know, that would be a good segment if I could just go through each year and talk about what player I hated the most from that year. It would probably be like uh, there'd be a lot of like Ozzy Alonzo despised that guy and then it would just be like yeah this year would be Jared Stroud without a doubt so yeah, everyone else I can make peace with but Jared Stroud's just a little baby boy anyways moving on we have our next game and we have Austin hosting Dallas Jacob went with a FC Dallas 2-1 win I went with a 1-1 tie I think Austin even though they've been in bad form, I think they're going to fire themselves up for a rivalry match like this, and they're hosting, so I could see them packing out the stadium and, and pulling a draw. Not getting a victory, just getting a draw. You got any hot takes for this one, Isaac? Draw. <laughs> All right, moving on to our final game, and we have the LA Galaxy versus San Jose Earthquakes. Jacob going with a 2-2 draw. I absolutely disagree. I'm going with a 3-0 San Jose thrashing. LA Galaxy is in a terrible, terrible way right now. They're looking not good. I think San Jose is going to go to LA and just smash them. Any hot takes on that one? 2-1 San Jose. Respect. I got some ground to make up here in the in the predictions, so I'm hoping these come out well for me. But, yeah, that kind of wraps it up for today's episode. A um, little weird doing this by myself. I mean, you were you were here with me, but... Yeah, what the heck, man? <laughs> other than, like, the random is, like... I'd look up when I was talking stats, and you're just, like, giving me the Appalachian stare. Just, like, <laughs> just sitting there, just, like... Well, a, to be honest... Not a thought in those eyes. I was starting to Google it. I wanted to, like, see. I wanted to see a picture of what you were talking about. And then I just got lost in the pictures. And I looked at you and I was like, I forgot what we were talking about. 
I was very deep in the stats before this, and I had to limit myself on what stats I was going to talk about because I was I was like moments away from diving into like like non penalty expected goals and like oh God. like the whole team's progressive carries and what that means for the system. And dude, I was I was fully prepared to really dive carries, in. Carries guy. I am or progressive passes. That's honestly progressive passes is a very good indicator of a team's style of play. But I didn't want to dive into that too much. Just chase unleashed. This is. But that has been the show. That has been MLS Net Boys episode eleven nope. or twelve, mm, maybe thirteen. Thirteen. I don't know. We're in the double digit, twelve digits. Or thirteen. We've been doing it for a while now, as it. As it feels like it's been forever. You have anything for the the people before we call it? Um, not really. Fair enough. Hopefully, Jacob gets home safe. We will be back to our normal, you know, setup next week. Producer Isaac will be off the mic, unfortunately, but we will be back next week. Thank you guys for listening, and Keegan Hughes, come on the show.